This is They Reminisce Over You. I'm Miguel. And I'm Christina. We wanted to take a minute to make a small request of all our listeners. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or Podchaser, leave us a five-star rating. You can also leave a review as well on Apple, Good Pods, and Podchaser. Ratings and reviews will help us with discoverability, and we want to get this out to as many like-minded folks as we can. We want to get on the first page of these podcast apps. And to move up on the charts as well. So help us get the word out. Make sure to follow and interact with us on social media. We're at Troy Podcast on the gram and the bird. Also, check out our website, TroyPodcast.com. It's where we post links to a lot of the things that we've mentioned in the show, as well as transcripts and themed playlists that supplement our episodes and more. Thank you again for your support. You ready to get into the show? Let's do it. Welcome back to They Reminisce Over You. I'm Miguel. And I'm Christina. And today we're going to talk about someone who has 50 plus years in film, TV, and on the stage. We are talking about Giancarlo, pretend I rolled the R, Esposito. <laughs> I was looking up, I wanted to make sure I said it right. So he says it's Esposito, not Esposito. <laughs> I saw that. I remember that. And I cannot roll my R's. Can you roll your R's? I don't know. Let's see. Giancarlo? Carlo. Uh, Carlo. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably like, ugh, if he heard it. But I'm sure we're not the only people who say Giancarlo. Yeah, I'm not going to call him Johnny. How about that? (laughs) Yeah. And at least I can say Esposito. Yes. (laughs) All right. Now that we got that out of the way, that's who we're talking about. (laughs) So he first appeared on Broadway at the tender age of eight in a musical called Maggie Flynn in 1966. And he continued to do more Broadway work throughout the 60s and 70s, but I'm not really a Broadway musical gal, so I can't really speak (laughs) on that. But around this time, he also started working in TV, but mostly started off with bit parts. So things like Puerto Rican Teenager (laughs) and Cellmate Number 2 in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy. Yes, he's a prominent Cellmate Number 2, though. (laughs) Yeah. And in an interview with Jennifer Hudson, he was saying how he was actually trying to upstage Eddie Murphy. And then of his early works, I'd say his biggest role was he had eight episodes as Mickey, Big Bird's camp counselor on Sesame Street. And a bunch more sort of like little bit parts and stuff. But he met an up and coming director named Spike Lee in 1980. But it wasn't until 1988 when we first saw him in the first of many Spike Lee films, which then leads us into our first topic of discussion, which is the Spike Lee era. Yes, that's where I first took notice of him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I saw him in Trading Places, but didn't know who he was Mm -hmm. because that's one of my favorite scenes of all time in (laughs) any movie. Yes. And you know how I always say that a karate man brews on the inside. <laughs> That's where it comes from. And every time I'm like, what's that movie? <laughs> exactly. So I guess on another note, I'll have to sit down and actually watch that movie at some point. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the Spike Lee era is what I know him from. So school days, do the right thing, Mo Better Blues. That's where mm-hmm. I learned who he was. Yeah, so this was like 88 to 89, right? Uh, it's like 87 through 90. Okay. So something in that range. Yeah. A little before my time. So I didn't watch it until 
much later. And then we rewatched School Days and Do the Right Thing this week. I didn't get a chance to watch Mo Better Blues. It's available for rent, but I did not rent it. <laughs> and like I told you yesterday, I just happened to catch it on TV maybe two or three weeks ago. Yeah. And I watched like the last half hour of it, but I've seen it a few times. I'll get around to watching it. I just didn't. I was like, you know, we got to record. This is the one problem when we do an episode on actors, especially actors with this much work. <laughs> it's like we can only watch so much. Yeah. So let's talk about School Days. Yes. That was the first one. Where he played Julian, a.k.a. Big Brother Dean Almighty. Almighty. I can't hit that high note. <laughs> that hair. The hair is great. The hair with that part in the middle. <laughs> the hair is amazing. Well, he always has amazing hair. He, he does, but <laughs> I meant that in a sarcastic way. It was still amazing. <laughs> if you Whether say sarcastic so. or not. That hair part, that hair part right down the middle. Yeah, like Archie and Jughead comic book type (laughs) character where it was parted right in the middle. But it was still like a square. Yeah, it was a flat top. Flat top with, it was like a wavy flat top with a part in the middle. He had a part right in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, he played Julian. Uh, He was basically Lord Fishburne's nemesis Mm -hmm. in this movie. He was the lead of Gamma Phi Gamma G Phi G. <laughs> and yeah, they had beef in the movie. They sure did. They had completely different ideals on what blackness was and what blackness meant. And that's basically the basis of the movie. Yeah. And especially now that I know that he comes from a theater background, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Because School Days is part musical and yeah it's very theatrical <laughs> very yeah <laughs> very theatrical and very dramatic yeah so this is like a perfect segue from broadway to movies for him i would say yeah we didn't get to see him singing any songs in no. the movie everyone else did but he didn't get to get his golden throat on he didn't but it was still uh very theatrical yeah <laughs> it was just to keep it spoiler free, even though this is a like 40 year old movie, <laughs> 35 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he was the antagonist in the movie and he does some things that makes him the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He which is not cool. It's basically like the shaping of his career, essentially. Right. Like he always plays the villain, but he plays different types of villain. It's never the same villain twice. Yeah. Except when he played Gus Fring. But that was on two different shows. Well, so that he's doesn't playing the really same count. character, so that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Two different shows, but same character. <laughs> yeah, so he plays the villain very well. Yeah. And this was like the very first time we got to see him as a villain. And it was, like I said, he wasn't a very good person. He was movie. not. <laughs> he was all bad. Um, but he's good at it. I think because he's very charismatic. Yeah. And as we talk about more of his characters... Mm-hmm we'll see the range that he's played. Even though he does a lot of villain work, they're all different villains and they're all like menacing in different ways. Yeah. So then the next movie was Do the Right Thing where he plays Bugging Out. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I wouldn't say he was a villain. He was an antagonist. Yes. But he he meant well. He was just misguided. Yeah. He had the right ideas. Mm -hmm. But he was just a loose cannon. Yeah, he just didn't <laughs> didn't have the right tools. So that was the problem in Do the Right Thing. Yeah, so he wasn't a villain, but he was definitely an antagonist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was the neighborhood shit stirrer. 
everything that happened in that neighborhood in that day, he was in the middle of it, no matter what it was, <laughs> except for the, the thing with Radio Rahim at the store. Yeah. Everything else that happened in that neighborhood bugging out had something <laughs> to do with. I think what's crazy was when his sneakers get scuffed. And yeah. what's crazy about this is this scene highlights gentrification. And this was in 1988. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and everything he was pushing back against in the movie mm-hmm. has happened now in 2023. Yeah. Everything that he was talking about was going to happen has yeah. happened. So it's wild that he he was already concerned about that back yeah. then, considering how the neighborhood hadn't really changed that much. Right. But I guess enough for him to be like, oh, something's afoot. I would be <laughs> interested in Spike doing it, doing an update to <laughs> do the right thing. Uh-huh. But set. In 2023, 2024. Yeah, because we actually looked up that corner. Yeah. On the actual intersection. Yeah, at the actual intersection on Apple Maps, which is now renamed to Do the Right Thing Way. But there is a condo across the street that is so, such a yeah. visual marker of gentrification. <laughs> it does not fit in with the rest it of the brownstones fit, in the no, neighborhood. Because for the most part, the brownstones and stuff is still there, except for this one condo that just sticks out like a sore thumb and in the movie you can see that it's a vacant lot Mm -hmm. and now it's this newish condo so i'm not even sure when it was built was it the vacant lot i thought it was the one with the hubcaps on the fence yeah that was a vacant lot Oh, okay. so it just had a fence around it okay but now it's a condo and it's how much were the units selling for like 1.5 1.5 and up? Those were the uh, brownstones. Okay. I couldn't find the price of the units. Okay. Yeah. So the brownstones were like, I think 1.8 to like the low two millions. Yeah. So bugging out would be very disappointing. <laughs> bugging out would be bugging out. <laughs> <laughs> to what the neighborhood has transformed into. I don't, I'm not sure what the demographics are now. I can't prove anything. Right. All we did was look up the neighborhood (laughs) to see what it looked like, and it has definitely changed. It looks a lot different. (laughs) (laughs) So what Spike was doing with the bugging out character was definitely on point almost 40 years ago. Yeah. And side note, the beginning of the movie where Rosie Perez is dancing her ass off, which you pointed out (laughs) that you could hear her feet clicking while she's dancing. (laughs) Yeah. While I don't know why they left playing. that in. You can hear yeah. her feet shuffling across the floor. Shuffling and tapping. And I don't know, maybe they just thought it would kind of like put you in the moment because she is dancing her heart out. It really didn't. It did nothing for me. It just <laughs> made me laugh. Just hearing her Nike squeaking across the floor. And the little tap, 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 tap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I liked Do the Right Thing. I thought it was funny. And you know how Spike is. You always got to have a message. Yes. The movies always have a message. And then the next one was Mo' Better Blues, which I already mentioned that I didn't get a chance to watch. So your thoughts? It's been a while since I've seen the entire movie. Like I said, a couple weeks ago, I caught the last half an hour or so. Mm -hmm. But he plays a piano player in Denzel's band. He's a, a jazz musician. And his band consists of Bill Nunn. Giancarlo, Wesley Snipes, <laughs> and I'm not sure of the other guy's name. And uh, Spike Lee plays their manager. Okay. So that's the crew in this film. He's, he, his character is kind of wrapped into his own world. Mm-hmm. He kind of does things his way and 
doesn't like to follow rules. Like they have a rule about being at the venue at a certain time. You're not allowed to bring your girlfriends into the, the dressing room area. And he does all of these. He shows up <laughs> 45 minutes late to a gig, brings the girlfriend in with him. She's talking shit to everybody. And they're like, what are you doing? Mm. And that's just what his character was. In Another antagonist. <laughs> He wasn't an antagonist in this one. He was just an asshole. Okay. But he was their asshole. Like, they embraced him for what he was, but they knew he was an ass. Mm. And basically, they're like, you need to cut this shit out. <laughs> and he was a habitual line stepper. <laughs> That's what he was. All right. He had a very interesting earring in that movie, though. Okay. It looked like a necklace because mm. it was so long dangling <laughs> from his ear. Like, when he's on screen in one scene... The earring is so long, it dangles out of frame. Okay. <laughs> That's how long it is. Yeah, I love the 80s. <laughs> yeah, but he was uh, left-hand lacy. That was his character's name in the movie. But like I said, Bill Nunn was in this when Bill Nunn was in Do the Right Thing and School Days as well. And when you're in a Spike Lee movie, you're in a Spike Lee movie yes. forever. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of those actors were in all of these movies. Yeah. Like John Turturro was in this one. He was in Do the Right Thing as well. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of Spike work once you're in. Right. Spike will try to keep you employed. Yes. There's a couple other smaller things around this time. I think for me, it's highly likely that my first introduction to him was probably waiting to exhale. Obviously, I wouldn't have you know, known who he was at yeah. that time because he's just one of those actors where he's just in things right. all the time, right? He's the guy that pops up. He's there for a quick minute and then he's gone. Yes. He leaves an impression and then <laughs> he's gone. So just looking at it in the time frame of what I was watching and stuff, that's probably my first introduction. He was Gloria's baby daddy. Yeah. Um, what's her name again? Uh, her real name. Uh, just, uh, just drew a blank. Me too. <laughs> I can uh, see her in my we head. Talk about, we've talked about her before. Yes, like she's uh, one of our favorites. Loretta Devine. Loretta Devine. Loretta Devine. And she has not clued in and he has not told her. Oh, is this a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Okay, you know what? Never mind. Just scratch that. Anyways, <laughs> he makes an appearance as one of the men that are keeping the women from exhaling <laughs> yes. in this movie. So not a huge role, but if you've seen the movie, you would remember him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I actually just watched King of New York for the first time. I haven't yesterday. seen that in so long. So again, not a big role, but enough that you see him. Yeah. That he's part of uh, Larry Fishburne's crew. And I say Larry on purpose because he was still going by Larry. Yes. At this time. <laughs> he hadn't transitioned into Lawrence yet. <laughs> no. So he was just part of this drug gang crew. But yeah, Christopher Walken is the main character in this movie. And those dance moves. It took me out, and then he's all like, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got some classic lines in this movie. Like I said, I haven't seen that movie in a long time, and I might have to watch it now that you sent me the link. Yeah, it's on Tubi for free, at least in Canada. I don't know. I would assume that it's on Tubi in the U.S. as well. Yeah, if we can get it, then they should. <laughs> yeah. Getting stuff in Canada can be weird sometimes. Yeah, everything on Tubi is free, though, so <laughs> you good. True. So it's not like, oh, my God, this is the best movie in the world. But it's one of those kind of like cult classics, I guess. Yeah, that's a good place for us to take a break. So we'll be back really quickly. Hi, kids. Do you like fun? Yeah. And bookmarking a bunch of articles you'll probably never read. We're starting a monthly newsletter called Liner Notes. 
We'll be sharing what we're watching, what we're listening to, throwback YouTube videos, updates on our upcoming projects, random shit you may have missed on the internet, you know, stuff like that. The link is in the show notes, or you can go to troypodcast.com slash newsletter. Do it. Now. It's good for you. It'll make your teeth whiter. <laughs> <laughs> and back to the show. All right, so let's move on to what we're calling his middle career, mm-hmm. starting in 1999 through 2009. The big thing that I really remember him for for this is Homicide, because it was one of my favorite shows. And I basically like everything that has to do with that Baltimore universe. So right. this, The Wire, The Corner, all of that. What's the new one? We own the night. Yes. So I'm into all of these things. And on this show, he played an FBI agent slash Baltimore police officer named Mike. What was his last Giardello. name? Giardello. Now, if you know who Yafit Kato is, <laughs> he plays his father in this show. Uh huh. They want us to believe that Yafit Kato is Italian. I mean, I know genetics is a funny thing. Yeah, and, and you, you, when you mix them, you don't know what you're going to get. Yes, but come on now. And Italy is very close to the north side of Africa. <laughs> but but Yafikoto, <laughs> <laughs> like it, for his character background to be what it's supposed to be, <laughs> he should look like Giancarlo and not looking like himself. But that's neither here nor there. Yes, that's that's his dad. Yeah, he plays his dad in the show. Yes. And they butt heads throughout the entire season that he's on, pretty much. We don't know why. They just have this contentious relationship. Well, we know why he has a contentious relationship yeah. with dad, because his dad was absent. Right. But we don't know why his dad is that he's so way contentious towards with him. him. Yeah. I think he's just like that. I think that's what we're supposed to believe, that he's just a crotchety old man. Yeah. I suppose. Or I wouldn't even just say old man if he was that way his whole life. But <laughs> right. he just... His dad's just like that. <laughs> yeah, I never watched Homicide or The Corner. So I watched like a handful of episodes for the first time this week. But it's right up my alley. I watch yeah. these cop shows and like you were saying, the Baltimore universe. So Yeah, it fits in with all of the rest of that stuff because you have characters and actors who kind of float between all of the shows. Yes. Like Munch has been on all of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all of them as well as the law and order universe yes so <laughs> and many other shows he's always munch yeah <laughs> so richard belzer has played the munch character in all of those shows yeah and uh, yeah his character mike giardello like i said came in initially as an fbi agent mm-hmm. working on a case with the baltimore police department this is a spoiler but i'm gonna tell you anyway <laughs> By the end of the series, because this is the final season. Are you sure you want to spoil it? Because I haven't watched it. Oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. (laughs) So I can't say. So I'm the person who's like, no, don't spoil a 30-year-old show or 20-year-old show. You're right. I can't say anything (laughs) because the end of the season leads into a TV movie. Okay. Yeah, don't say nothing. Like the the year after, so. (laughs) All right, I'll keep it to myself. I will say the show is a little dated, still worth watching. Yeah, it is because it was like early 90s, late 90s, something like that. Started in 98. But I think we've mentioned this before. When you rewatch The Wire, The Wire doesn't feel dated unless you look at the clothes. Yeah. And it's only like five years apart. But this, you could tell, is a little dated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But for me, it's still worth a watch. I'm going to 
I found like somebody on YouTube uploaded the majority of the episodes, but I guess we can also, I don't know, maybe get a DVD set or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be easier. Yeah, I will get into that <laughs> however I can. <laughs> Around this time, he also did a movie that we spoke about when we did our episode on Queen Latifah. Oh, actually, I just want to say one more thing about Homicide. Okay. So after the, I guess, Spike Lee era, this is the thing that made him break into TV, right? Yeah. Okay. That's all. Okay. (laughs) Just another career milestone that I wanted to mark. (laughs) Okay. I don't remember what I was saying, but it was something about Queen Latifah. About Uh, Last last Holiday. holiday. Uh, He played Senator Dillings in this movie. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a villain. Although it seemed like he might be a villain, he ended up not being that. Yeah, because he, he seemed like he might be a shady senator. Yeah, but he, he ended up being. He eyes for her. He definitely had eyes for her because as <laughs> soon as she walked into the room, he was he's like, like, ooh, look at that sister or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just rewatched that scene. Yeah, he saw he her from like, across oh. the restaurant. <laughs> laser focused on her. Yep. But he played a senator from mm-hmm. Louisiana, I believe, and ended up meeting her somewhere in where was she like switzerland yeah i don't know somewhere cold yeah somewhere cold and random that she decided to go like a exclusive resort in the snow (laughs) yeah he ends up befriending her and went from hitting on her to actually becoming like a friend as the the movie went along but again it was just a small role he was in and out but he made an impact that was very memorable in it yeah and we've talked about this movie before i think it's cute like if you just want a romantic comedy yeah i recommend watching it and when i say that he has a small role he's in it a lot but he doesn't have like a big he's just not one of the main yeah characters. he's not a main character he pops up a lot throughout the entire movie so it's not like he's in one scene he's a then, supporting character yeah he's a supporting cast member <laughs> but The biggest thing during this sort of 2000 to just before 2010 period is probably what most people know him for. Yeah. I'm going to say this is his biggest role. Yeah. And that is Breaking Bad, old Gus Fring. (laughs) Yes. Playing Gustavo. Yeah. The Gus character is probably peak villain. Yes, definitely. Any movie or TV show. Because he doesn't appear to be a villain. Yeah, I think that is probably what makes the character so memorable because it's very different. Because when you first meet him, and this isn't a spoiler because we all know he's the villain. (laughs) But when (laughs) you first meet him, you just think that he's like this guy who owns these chain of chicken restaurants. And he's very like uptight, but polite, like, hello, sir, how can I help (laughs) you? But at the same time, he plays the role so well. That you could see that he has this friendly exterior, but you can kind of tell there's something seething underneath. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you can't put your finger on yeah. it and you can't really prove it. I rewatched the scene where him and Walter White meet for the first time. And all he knows is like someone's supposed to meet him at the restaurant, but he doesn't know who it is. And then he finally figures out that it's Gus. He goes to the counter and he's just like, hi, can I help you? And he's like, a Diet Coke and five minutes of your time. And by him saying that, Gus was like, oh, he knows who I am now. So the way he just kind of stopped and turned and looked at him, you're just like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going (laughs) to happen here? (laughs) And that's when we first see that little glimpse of what he's going to become. Yeah, I saw an interview that he did, and he was talking about some specific acting method. And I forget the name, 
Mm-hmm. Oh, about having a, you pause? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that too. And he was just talking about how he would freak people out on the set with that <laughs> because they're thinking, okay, did I mess up? Yeah. What's going on here? And that's just him pausing to, what did he say? To give space because now the opposite character doesn't know what he's thinking. Right. They, doesn't know, they don't know what he's going to say. And it just was freaking people out. Just gives you that moment of discomfort. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, is he going to kill me? What was yeah. going on here? I was watching a, a behind the scenes um, segment I found on YouTube that went behind his final scene. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying not to spoiler again. Right. <laughs> his final scene. And it was very, what's the word? Uh, a lot went into it. Yeah. And not only that, the final, final scene they did in 19 takes. After they finished the first take, everyone's clapping. Woo, we got it. We got it. Right. And then the director, Vince Gilligan, was like, no, that was not even close to perfect. And you could see the people around him like, oh, oops. (laughs) So every take they did after that, everyone was so quiet because they just want to see if he's okay with it. Right. Since they thought the first one was great. And even he was like, you know, when you do like two or three is not a big deal. Maybe five or six is you're starting to get there. And he's like, once you get into the teens, something they right. <laughs> he said <laughs> yeah. that he was getting nervous, like at 17, right. and then at 18, and then finally 19. He's like, all right, we got it. <laughs> 19 is pretty wild, though. <laughs> yeah. But it worked because it's a very memorable scene. It's definitely one of those historic moments in TV. <laughs> yes, it is. Because I remember when it happened initially, my reaction was just, goddamn. Yeah. like this is what we're doing right but yeah it it's a lot it is that's all i can say it's a lot yeah you know a lot of actors will have that one role that everyone kind of remembers you for because in an interview he was saying how he was on a plane and he was in line to use the the bathroom and this lady saw him and she just (gasps) you you can go first (laughs) and he's like that's fine i can wait and she's like no 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 Gus, you can go. He's like, all right. And then he came out and he said she was like pressed up against the wall. And he's just like, you know, it's cool. And she's like, but you just scared me so much. And he's just like, all right. Like, this is a TV show. Lady. Yeah. This and she called him who Gus. He is. So that's probably a more extreme uh, reaction, but he's definitely going to be known as Gus Fring for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to go away. No matter what he does in the future. Right. And he's on some pretty big things right now. He is. He's still going to be Gus. Yeah. Gustavo Fring. <laughs> I still want that chicken though. <laughs> Didn't they have like a little pop-up shop once? Yeah. Or something? Yeah, there were a, motion. a couple pop-up events at different places. Now, where did they get the chicken from since this is a fake restaurant? I actually Popeyes? looked into it and I don't, it wasn't Popeye's. I don't remember who actually supplied the chicken. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it popped up a few places. All right. Uh, also during this time, he is a recurring character. He's done like four or five episodes on Law and Order, always playing a defense attorney. There's one episode where he didn't play a defense attorney, oh. but for the most part, he plays the same character yes. on Law & Order, which is one of my favorite shows, as you know, and I'm yes. doing a rewatch right now, waiting for him to pop up in this season, but he hasn't yet. Yeah, the funny thing about rewatching Law & Order now is seeing all these familiar faces, 
especially I think if you were in the New York area and you were coming up as an actor, it's like everybody's been through Law and Order. (laughs) Playing multiple characters too. So it's surprising to see him playing the same one over and over again. Occasionally some people get to play the same character. And this is where he lets those glorious curls hang loose. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He's definitely rocking the curls on Law and Order. (laughs) And he was also in Ali. Yes, he uh, played Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali's father in the movie. I feel like I watched the movie, but I don't remember much. I've seen it a couple times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite parts, well, pretty much throughout the entire movie is Jamie Foxx because he plays, what's the guy's name? Bundini Brown. And he's hilarious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he has some of the best lines in this movie. If you haven't seen Ali, you can watch it just to see Jamie Foxx because we all know that Jamie Foxx is great at everything he does. <laughs> and this is one of those things where it's just like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that. <laughs> I guess more things for me to rewatch. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, as we're kind of going through these time frames obviously we're leaving out a lot of stuff yeah there's a lot of things that a he's lot been of in stuff that this is just the stuff that we've seen yeah basically like so, you said it's been like 50 plus years yeah. since he did his first gig so we're definitely missing a lot so we're just highlighting some of the things that we know and love yes <laughs> so we're gonna move on to the next time frame i guess which is the 2010s to present yeah Better Call Saul, spinoff of Breaking Bad, is during this time. So he's playing Gus again. Yes, so he's playing Gus again. The thing about Better Call Saul, if you don't know, is this is the stuff that comes before Breaking Bad. Yeah. So we started watching it. We're a couple seasons in, but we need to finish it. But what I wanted to say was, in another interview I saw him in, he said, in his opinion, he actually thinks it's better if you watch Better Call Saul first before watching Breaking Bad. Yeah. Because I can see that because it, even though he's playing the same character. This is the beginning. Yeah. And it's a little bit different. Uh, he's yeah. not fully formed Gus. Right. Because he was saying how the way he approached how he played Gus Fring in Better Call Saul was to kind of like go backwards with where he is in Breaking Bad. So it's been long enough since we've seen Breaking Bad that I think by the time we finish Better Call Saul, we could probably just go back to Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I looked it up and I was like, what? It started in what, like 2008 or something. That sounds about right. And I'm like, it's been that long? Yeah. That's crazy. Time passes. Yeah. So what we've seen of Better Call Saul has been pretty good. I really want to finish it. And I think it's worth the watch if you haven't started. Yeah. And it's a completely different vibe from mm-hmm. Breaking Bad. Not only his character, but we get to see the origins of Saul. Yeah. <laughs> And it's very different seeing how he began because he's a totally different person. (laughs) Yes. So I would recommend watching that show as well. Yeah. I watched him in the the Maze Runner series because I realized that I tend to watch a lot of these young adult (laughs) novels turned to movies or just young adult movies in general. And I don't really know why, but I guess you don't really need a reason. You don't. (laughs) So he's not in the first of the series, but he's in the, the last two movies. It's something to watch. If you are into like Hunger Games and stuff like that, then watch it. (laughs) He is Jorge and he's just, um, just these dystopian young adult movies. (laughs) 
<laughs> where I know nothing about it. So. Teenagers are being experimented upon and then they have to fight for their lives. And yeah, like I said, if you like Hunger Games, then go watch the Maze Runner. <laughs> well, since you series. put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> we're experimenting on teenagers. Okay. Since I piqued your curiosity. So the first movie starts with a bunch of teenagers being dropped off into some barren wasteland and they just have to fend for themselves. And then they come to find that they're basically stuck in a maze. Okay. And they have elected, you know, a couple guys to run through the maze to try to find their way out. Hence, Maze Runner. And then they come to find out that it's more than just being stuck in a field and trying to run through a, a maze. And it's an experiment. Yeah, because you know I like this dystopian stuff. <laughs> and I'm a fan of, like, kids and teenagers not being off limits but see, because I like all the <laughs> Korean zombie movies see, and stuff like that. It's different from the Korean and Japanese movies because they don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like what's the first one that we watched? That, Battle Royale. Yes. It's it's nothing like Battle Royale. It's way tamer <laughs> than Battle Royale. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't expect many things to be like Battle Royale. <laughs> but yeah, it's more like Hunger Games. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I will check it out. Yes. So you won't see him until the second and third movie, though. Okay. He uh, is also in Far Cry 6. I have no idea what that is. I know you don't, but (laughs) maybe some of our listeners do. It's a video game. Okay. Uh, He plays kind of a Fidel Castro type dictator. And yeah, I can't say much more than that because that would spoil it. But it's a very good game. I liked it. Okay. Plays Anton Castillo. Mm-hmm. And just based off of the names that we've given you throughout what we've been talking about mm-hmm. here, he plays a wide range of ethnicities. Yes, that's he's what happens black, when you're... He's Italian, he's yeah. Hispanic. I, have, I don't think he's played Asian yet. No. <laughs> not that uh, he doesn't, he's not that kind of beige. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that he has and we've just missed it. But if you've got some brown in you, he could play it. Well, I uh, can see him being Filipino in a movie. He can pull off Filipino. Well, on Homicide, he actually got to play what he is, which is yeah. Italian and black. Yes. <laughs> but he's definitely played a lot of Latino characters. But yes. in yet another interview, he said when he was starting out, he felt like he kept getting typecasted into black characters. And then he realized with how he looks and how he styles his hair, he can expand that. And then he started to learn doing like a Spanish accent, which kind of led into these Latino roles. Right. Just to... I don't know, I guess help him get more work and more varied work. <laughs> but then he also said that it got to a point where he didn't want to play like necessarily play race based characters. Right. We've talked about this before. There's a difference between playing a stereotypical person of color and then playing a character who just happens to be Mexican or happens to be black because that's what the character calls for. But anyways, even though we talk about how um, his roles are very varied, there was a period where he felt like he was getting typecasted. However, if we're talking about range, there was a show we had watched before a couple seasons of Once Upon a Time. Yes. (laughs) Which is based on fairy tales. And he played the magic mirror that you see from Snow White slash the genie from Aladdin (laughs) (laughs) is his character. So if you don't know the show, it's basically like... Fairy tales come to the real world. Yeah. So there are people in the real world, but there are actually also fairy tale characters. So he yeah. plays like so a. So there's I, some crossover between the real world and the fairy tale. And crossover tale between fairy tales, too, if he's yeah. playing a genie slash the magic mirror. Right. <laughs> so talk about 
range. Yeah, and in the <laughs> real world, he plays like a, rep- a reporter or yep. the editor of newspaper, Sydney something like Glass. that. Yeah, I think it's something to do with the newspaper. Yeah. So that's very different from Gus Fring. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so again, not playing a villain in this one. No, he's basically like he's the he's a weasel. Yeah, he he <laughs> he serves the master. Yeah, who is like Snow White's mom, like the wicked. What is she like? A wicked witch? Is she a wicked witch? I forgot. Snow White's mom. No, oh, no she's not, the, not, uh, not Snow White. Snow White's dad's queen. Yes, yes. The, her stepmother. I forgot the plots of all these different classic fairy tales. I'm like, mom, wicked witch. I'm getting them all mixed <laughs> no, up. The stepmother, evil stepmother. Yes. yes. So he basically serves her. Yeah, I don't think we finished that one either. We didn't because I think it just got really yeah, silly after Yeah, it a while. got a little too wacky towards the end. I mean, the premise is already kind of silly. It is, but it started off strong yeah. and just kind of faded. I mean, if you kind of just want to watch something not so serious. Yeah, exactly. Serious. If you want to just <laughs> zone out and watch something silly, this yeah. is it. Yeah. As we're saying, the premise is real life people melting into the world of of fairy tales tales. (laughs) something else that we watched and never finished and it ended up getting canceled i believe was revolution i don't remember that yeah it was another one of these dystopian type of shows where the power in the united states had gone out completely oh yeah it was that show Mm -hmm. so he was one of the characters in that as well but we didn't finish it. <laughs> and I think it ended up getting canceled before we could go back to it. Uh, well, you just started watching Godfather of Harlem. I, that's yeah. been on my, my to watch list for a while, too. And I don't know what took me so long to watch it because I've had it on my list to watch, too. But the last time we were in L.A., I saw my mom watching it and was like, what is this? <laughs> and it was pretty good what yeah. I saw then, but she was a couple seasons in. Mm-hmm. And then just starting it a couple of days ago, I'm like, why have I been missing out on this? This is great. Yeah. But he's playing Adam Clayton Powell, mm-hmm. who is like the first black congressman from the state of New York. He helped write the Civil Rights Act and helped get that passed. So he's, he's playing a real historical person. I don't know if Adam Clayton Powell was exactly as he's playing him, <laughs> because even though he's a congressman, he's a pastor. He does all these things. He's he's kind of shady. I'm not going to say he's a criminal, <laughs> but he knows the criminals. Okay. <laughs> and he he's runs criminal in, adjacent. He's criminal adjacent and <laughs> runs in those circles. So it's pretty good so far. Mm-hmm. And like I said, he's playing Adam Clayton Powell. He's got this really weird Southern accent, but he's from New York, which is weird. <laughs> well, one of the big things that he's done during this period was a Netflix series Kaleidoscope. It was like, oh, you could watch the episodes in any order. Yeah. So it was kind of eh, a little bit gimmicky, but I, I don't mean gimmicky in like a bad way. It was, uh, what, eight episodes? Yeah, eight episodes, and you can watch them in any order that yeah. you wanted to as long as you watched a certain episode last. You can watch the other seven in any order, and it would still tell the same story. I didn't realize there was one that was supposed to be last. Yeah, the heist was supposed to be last. Okay. 
that episode was supposed to be last, but the other ones you could watch in any order. Because I told you to watch the heist one last, and you're like, I could watch it whatever I want. Yeah, and <laughs> because I already knew how it was going to end. So I knew what happened at the end of the heist because it was spoiled for me anyway. Okay. So I figure, why am I going to waste my time doing it last? Let me just go ahead and knock that out <laughs> and then watch the rest of them in the order that I wanted to. Because we started it together and then just didn't finish it. And then I left it for so long that I forgot. So I just rewatched the whole thing again. And I was like, I can't be bothered to try to figure out which one I watch. <laughs> so I'm just going to watch it in the order that I see it in Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I was just randomly picking. I didn't have any logic behind it. Yeah. I just did it. I think that was an interesting thing to to make it like that his acting always shines through whatever he's in but the whole series as a whole i'm like meh because i think a lot of these sort of like heist films like i guess i kind of find them a little corny yeah you don't watch these kind of things (laughs) for like great plot lines yeah it's it's a popcorn flick something to entertain you because they're full of like holes with the plot and tropes that don't make sense like why why did you do that yeah so (laughs) some of those things you just gotta look past yeah and even like i was saying with the tropes it's like you've got the person who's like this and the person who's like that like everyone has a it's a very specific character i liked it i Um, thought it was pretty entertaining i'm actually gonna watch it again in a different order (laughs) and see if I can pick up on things that yeah. I missed on my first watch. Definitely, I would say, as you were saying, it's a popcorn flick. Don't go in with too much expectation. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's for fun. It's going to entertain you for eight hours, yeah. basically. <laughs> Just to kind of see how, how everything turns out. Yes. <laughs> so we are coming up on an hour. What yes. would you recommend of all of the things of his that you've watched? Well, an hour uncut. Yes, it's not going to end up being an hour finished. But what would you recommend from his filmography for our listeners to check out? Well, I mean, you got to say Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul, since that's like the thing, even though he's done so much other stuff, that's just like the thing that he's going to be known for. And it's (laughs) there's a reason why he's known for that. Right. But if you want something that's less expected, I really liked him as bugging out on <laughs> Do the Right Thing. <laughs> yeah. I think that might be my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I was going to go with. <laughs> Do the Right Thing because it's so out of left field. The bugging out character, he's on one. And the fact that he has, he's wearing these glasses that make his eyes literally bug out too. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, this is so silly. <laughs> and he's always on 10. Mm-hmm. There's no chill with bugging out. Like this man goes to the same pizza place several times a day. And yet there's a scene where he's like, how much is the slice? <laughs> yes. Sal's like, are you kidding me? And right, have the nerve he, to give him attitude. He's like, the neighborhood shitster. <laughs> so that would be my suggestion is to watch Do the Right Thing. Yeah. And see him playing bugging out. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off? As much as there is stuff that we didn't talk about, we've talked about a lot. So I think it's time to close this one out. I agree. So on that note, thank you again for listening to They Reminisce Over You. We do this every two weeks. So make sure you come back and join us for our next episode. You can follow us on social media at Troy Podcast on all the platforms even facebook we 
Facebook page <laughs> as of a few months ago. So if you want to join us over there, you can. We're on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. I still haven't updated the app on my phone. <laughs> so it's still Twitter it's still on Twitter Christina's phone. It's <laughs> X on mine, but I'm just going to call it the bird still. <laughs> we are on Instagram and threads as well. Like I said, everywhere at Troy Podcast. So follow us just in case one of these things goes down. We're on the other one, so you can find <laughs> us there as well. Make sure to go to TroyPodcast.com to check out some of our playlists. We'll have a playlist, uh, probably not one for this episode, but we typically do music playlists that go along with the theme of our episode. So you can go check those out as well. Yeah, you can make one for this one. You can do some songs from the movies. Yeah, I guess. Fight the power. <laughs> yeah. It's, the- it's playing throughout fight the power 32 times like and do the right thing (laughs) also we have a monthly newsletter that comes out so go to troypodcast.com slash newsletter i didn't mess it up you got it right this time (laughs) uh like i said it comes out once a month it's free it's very entertaining so go ahead and sign up for that it's true miguel writes it and i just read it but I read it like I get excited when it hits my <laughs> email and not just for proofreading. I'm like, ooh, I like this newsletter. See, so go ahead and sign <laughs> up. It's Christina approved. <laughs> if you want to buy some merch, we have some of that as well. We have a store called Tea Thang, nothing but a tea thing. We have t-shirts, hoodies, caps, socks. And stuff. Just all sorts of stuff. Home accessories, whatever you want. We got <laughs> we have some podcast branded merch as well as other things. So go ahead and check that out. That's teethang.com. T-E-E-T-H-A-N-G.com. You got that right this time too. I did. I'm on fire tonight. <laughs> and the place is looking steamy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Somebody's gonna get that reference if they're listening to it. And I'm not gonna say where it's from. I didn't. <laughs> anyway. That's a good place for us to sign off. (laughs) We will be talking to you guys again in two weeks. So bye.